He is in our midst. He is in our midst. And what an exalted privilege it is for us to be where he is in our midst. We are happy to be here this morning. We're thankful for your presence. We are honored, all of us, to be in the presence of God Almighty as we honor and praise him and show adoration to him and his son who loved us and died for us as we have remembered. I appreciate uh, the church here so much. It's good to be back, uh, having been gone for about two and a half weeks. Good to see uh, each of you this morning, as well as the visitors that we have. God blessed us richly on our trip to Africa, and I'll be reporting about that tonight in the five o'clock hour, so I invite you to be back with us at that time. We'll talk about all that God is doing and has done uh, through us and others there. But this morning, I have a question for you. And it is the question, do you love the Lord? If I were to ask that this morning to each of you individually, I think we'd get a very high percentage of people who would say, yes, I love the Lord. If I were to ask for a show of hands right now, I'm not doing that. But if I were to ask for a show of hands, I would expect that virtually every hand in this room would go up. Yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I love the Lord. We just sang a song that was based on Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, which is called the Shema in uh, by the Hebrews. Start the Shema. The word Shema means the word here, and so it is here, O Israel, the Lord your God. It's one God. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Right. And Jesus is asked in the New Testament about what the great commandment is. And Jesus in Matthew 22 and verse 37 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. In Luke 10 and verse 27, he adds the word strength. So all of that is part of what Jesus considers to be the first and great commandment. It's easy to say that we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's easy to say that you love anybody. It's another thing to actually love them. And it's, it's one thing to say, yes, I love you with all of my heart. But it doesn't stop there, does it? There are some people who love the Lord, sure enough, they really do, with their heart. But they don't love Him with their mind. So they have all of these feelings about the Lord, all of these emotions, they don't really think about Him. They don't really know what He said. And then there are some that love the Lord with their mind, but they don't love Him with their strength. Because although they know, although they know what He said, they don't do what He has said. And then there are some that love the Lord with their soul, with their inner man, with who they are really. They love Him with their souls. But may not with heart, or the strength, or the mind. It's a trickier question than we think. When I ask you this morning, do you love the Lord? I want to tell you that it's a trickier question than you think it is. Because it is easy to say yes to that. And then we start to think about it. Do I love Him with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind, with all of that? This morning in the lesson, we're going to be talking about Loving God the way God deserves to be loved. With all of our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
And being careful not to deceive ourselves about that because it's easy to say and think even. Get ourselves to believe that we love someone when we really don't. Here is the first and the great command. Here's the the thing to do. And I know I preach on this commandment a lot, but I preach on it because it's the first and the greatest. And if we don't get this right, we can't get anything else right. It is something that we must do. It is a commandment that we must keep. And if we do not, we will surely be accursed. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22, Paul said, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. So the answer to this question is vital, obviously, to eternal salvation. And yet, it may be difficult to tell if we truly love the Lord. It's difficult to tell if others truly love the Lord. You know, emotions, the soul of man, the strength of a person, the mind of a person, all of that is kind of hard to read just by looking at it from the inside. Sometimes it's kind of hard to read in ourselves. I read a story some long time ago about a man who was attending a stock show, a junior stock show, when there was a grand champion that had been owned and raised by a little girl that was put up for auction. And uh, she's standing there in the center of the auction area as people start to bid on her lamb. And uh, I guess they thought, well, this is a cute little girl, you know, and that's a nice lamb, and so it's an award-winning lamb, and so we're going to bid a little more than you might normally bid. Uh, and and start, started going up and up and up, and uh, as they did, the little girl started to cry. And she got down on her knee and she just threw her arms around her lamb and she hugged that lamb. And tears were just streaming down her face. And as people saw that, they began to bid more and more and more when they saw how much she loved the lamb. And finally, the price of the lamb got up to way over $1,000 for our lamb. And she's just boo-hooing. And Winds up the man that bought the lamb. Just couldn't hardly stand the sight of it all. So he paid her for the lamb and gave her the lamb back. So she gets to keep the lamb. And you say, well, what a heartwarming story, you think. Because her love for the lamb saves the lamb, right? A little later on, the guy who had witnessed this had a chance to talk to her. This was several months later about this incident. And he asked her, what happened to you there? Why were you crying so much? And she said, I just couldn't believe the money was getting to be that much as as they were bidding on the lamb. And I was thinking about, you know, all of this money that's piling up here that I'm going to get. And I was just so happy. That's why I was crying. And and this lamb obviously was so valuable to me because I was was going to get all this money. And then the guy said, well, what about the lamb? And she said, well... Uh, they gave the lamb back to me, so we took it home that evening, and, and Daddy slaughtered it, and we barbecued it, and it was really good. <laughs> Here's the problem. 
Sometimes it looks like we love the lamb. What we really love is ourselves, our appetites, money, everything else but the lamb. The answer to the question, do you love the lamb, is more difficult to answer than you think. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 3, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. God knows whether or not you love him with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I believe there are in scriptures markers that we can look to, ways that we are able to self-examine ourselves according to scripture to determine whether or not we love the Lamb, whether or not we love the Lord. The first one is maybe the most obvious one of all. Do you keep His commandments? Even Jesus demonstrated His love for God, showed us that He really loved the Father by keeping commandments. He says in John chapter 14 and verse 31, that the world may know that I love the Father as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. I, I do what God said to do. I do His commandments. And so by that, the world could tell that Jesus loved the Father. Love for God demands keeping His commandments. This is fundamental. It's simple. I know in the world today, there's been for some long time this effort to separate loving God from commandment keeping. That, you know, you love God with uh, your inner man, your soul, but this business of keeping commandments, that doesn't really have anything to do with loving God. That's what the attitude is by people in the world today, a lot of religious people. And that's just as blasphemous and wrong as anything has ever been, ever. If we understand the principle, commandment keeping cannot be separated from loving God. And loving God cannot be separated from commandment keeping. Now you can, you can, you know, accuse me of being a legalist and all of that all you want, but I am not separating loving God from commandment keeping. And we shouldn't. John will say, or Jesus will say rather in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, the inspired apostle writes, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Somebody says, well, I would keep His commandments. I would, I would but they're really hard to keep. They're just, just really hard to keep. Are they? I just got back from this trip to Africa, and, and the thing you notice a lot of things that are the same there with people, a lot of things that are different. One of the things that's really different uh, about their culture is that the ladies all carry their babies on their backs. I probably have a picture of that in tonight's report. So, but I mean, all of them. No, no, you'll never see a Zimbabwean woman, you know, walking down the street carrying a baby here. She, she has some sort of a wrap. She's, I don't know how they do it. They swing the baby back around there in the wrap and then they, you know, the baby's kind of in a sling on their back and they, they tie it around the front and they walk for miles like that with the baby on the back. That just looks like, I mean, my back's not in that good a shape, right, as yours. That would just kill me. I don't know how they do that. But they never even act like it bothers them. May I say to you, 
that if one of them tried to get me to carry their baby on my back, I would say, no, that's too heavy for me. No, that's going to be too much of a burden for me. You know why it would be a burden? Because I don't love their baby like they do. It's not a burden because they love. John is not saying in 1 John that it's not like, you know, you can keep God's commands just with a snap of a finger. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that to those who love God, it's not a burden. And it's not. If you love Him, you don't even notice it. In 1 John 2 and verse 5, whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we're in Him. Here's how we know we have a relationship with Him. By keeping His commandments. And keeping commandments requires self-sacrifice. I, I love song we sang this morning. Looking at the cross of Christ, there behold His agony suffered on the bitter tree. And then the next verse, then to life I turn again, learning all the worth of pain, learning all the might that lies in a full self-sacrifice. Jesus showed us His love on the cross. We learn about the mighty power of a full self-sacrifice that's given in love. I want to tell you something. If we didn't have pain, if we didn't have suffering in this world, we would have no idea about the power of love. Because it is love that is willing to go through pain. It is love that is willing to sacrifice itself. And love really demands self-sacrifice, frankly. That's what we see on the cross. Learning all the might that lies in a full self-sacrifice. The might of love. Love is the most powerful thing there is. We see it in Jesus dying on the cross. And Jesus wants to see it in us. When we go to John chapter 21, Jesus is gathered with His disciples, some of them by the Sea of Galilee. You remember the event. He's raised from the dead. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. Some of them are out fishing. They recognize Him. There's a miraculous catch of 153 fish. And they join Him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there's there's bread and there's fish spread there. And they have breakfast. And when they'd eaten breakfast in verse 15 of John 21, Jesus asked famously Peter these three questions, but they're not three questions, they're just one question. And it's the question that we're asking this morning. Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And by the way, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And yes, I love you. And then the third time, he's grieved and he says, yes, I love you. Third time, I suppose, because not too long before this, he had denied the Lord three times. And I'm sure it's not lost on him that he's being made to confess his love for Jesus three times after having so recently denied him three times. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And every time, Every time Peter says, I love you, Jesus tells him something to do. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Because loving me means you're going to do something for me. 
And then, Jesus does Peter one of the greatest things he ever did for him. He says to him in verse 18, Assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished, you went, and when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. I would like to know this morning that I would die for Jesus. Not just that I would, but that I am going to die for Jesus. Would you like to know that? I would really like to know that. Jesus is giving Peter great assurance here. He's assuring Peter, yes, Peter, you really do love me. You really do. You're saying it. And you may not even be sure, especially since you just denied me three times. You're saying that you love me. You're saying that you love me. You're saying that you love me. But you really do, Peter. Because you are going to die for me. Your love for me will lead you to a full self-sacrifice. If I could know that today, I think I'd be one of the happiest people alive. Because then I would know that my faith would carry me to the end and that I would love God to the extent that He deserves. Most of us are not going to be privileged enough to live a martyr's death. But Peter knew that he would. And Jesus gave him a great gift in telling him that. And the challenge before us, though, is to give our lives in sacrifice to Christ. Not at death, but all of our lives. Every moment of living. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dying one, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Now, do we keep His commandments? All of that was about commandment keeping. Because we love God. We're going to do what He says. The commandments of the Lord include, of course, the writing of the apostles and prophets. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. The things the apostles wrote are the Lord's commands. There are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of the Lord's commands. We don't go down those as if we're just, you know, it's a checklist that we go down. Where I didn't, yeah, I took care of that. Tick that off, tick that off, tick that off. We're loving God. We're loving Jesus. We want to do what He wants us to do. We want to make sure that we're pleasing to Him and we're showing our love for Him. And it's out of that motivation. We can't separate the keeping of the commandment from the love, nor the love from the keeping of the commandment. And if we do, we won't be pleasing to God. That's what I'm telling you. 
And so going down and looking at the commandments isn't a matter of taking that dispassionately off. Yeah, I'm gonna, I did that. I'm not going to... Uh, whatever. But it's knowing that this is what God wants me to do. This is what Jesus wants me to do. And I love Him so much I'm going to do these things. I'm going to share with you just a very few commandments this morning of the many that are found in the New Testament. These are just samples. This is just an example. Honoring your parents. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment, Paul says, with promise. We have so many parents in this room. And everybody in this room is a child of some parent. We're commanded to honor our parents. And if there's no other reason for you to do that, maybe you think you're a young person, you think your parent is out to get you, you think your, your parent is just trying to control you, they don't really care about you, whatever it is, but if there's no other reason to uh, honor your father and mother other than God said to do it, if you love Him, you'll do it. Your respect and honor for your parents is a direct reflection of your love for God. Simple as that. You can talk about, yeah, I love God all day long. You don't honor your parents. No, you don't. You don't love God. Because if you love God, you keep His commandments. We're here assembling. Assembling's not an optional thing. We're told to do it in Scripture. We're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Do we do that just to do it? Check it off. Well, I'm going to go to church however many times we're supposed to this week, three times. This last week with the gospel meeting, more than that. And so I, I got all that done and whew, I must love God. No. I'm going to do those things because I love God. I want to do as He's asked me because I love Him. We visit orphans and we visit widows in their affliction. Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We care about the less fortunate, the disenfranchised, those who are without a spouse and aged, those who are without parents, and needy. Not because, just because it moves our hearts. Not just because it's the decent thing to do. But because God said to do it. And we love Him. Withdrawing from the disorderly. We had a series of really great lessons this last week. I'm sorry I missed them. I've listened to some of it already online. Donnie Rader did a super job. And he noted, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6 of course, where Paul says, we command you, brethren, and remember the commandments of apostles are the commandments of the Lord. He says, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. We command you to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. Well, we don't do that anymore. That's what they did in ancient times, but that doesn't work in the church anymore. You got, yes, you know, the 21st century. That's not how we do things. You're just going to run people off if you do that. You're going to make people mad and all of the excuses that people give. And what they're really saying is, I don't love God enough to do that. That's hard. 
And Brother Rader noted over and over again, that's hard. Pain is hard. Self-sacrifice is hard. And withdrawing can be hard. But it's not a burden if we love God. There are a lot of things we have to do, must do, if we love God. Abstaining from sexual immorality. I talked about this in a lesson not long ago. But it's worth talking about again. That relationship you have with pornography says you don't love God. That relationship you have with a person you don't have a right to have a relationship with says you don't love God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 2, you know the commandments, again, the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Do you love the Lord? Do you study His Word? Because if you love somebody, you like to hear from Him. Love for one another causes people to be enthralled with the words of their loved one. In Psalm 119, in verse 132, the psalmist says, Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps according to your word. I love you. Direct me according to your word. But listen to Psalm 119 verse 1 and verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 48 of Psalm 119. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. You realize that this book is indeed a love letter from God. It's His Word to us. All about His love for us. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, it's the story of God's love for you and me and His plan to redeem us eternally. I remember when Sandy and I was dating, were dating. Some of you know this story, some don't. We had a bit of a long-distance relationship. We knew each other at Florida College, but we didn't date there. We decided to make it really difficult and date, start dating long-distance, thousands of miles, over a thousand miles apart to begin with. And so, you know, back in those days, phone calls cost a lot of money. You, you didn't make a whole lot of those, especially at long distance. And so we would occasionally write letters to one another. We weren't big on that. I don't have this whole chest of drawers full of letters that we wrote back and forth. But there were a, a couple of letters that uh, I got from her and she got from me. And I remember getting those letters. I remember how it was. Maybe you do too if you courted someone, if you're, you've been away from your loved one, maybe when you were dating and courting and and uh, you had to, you, you wrote letters back and forth, and you get you know how that is. You get that letter, and maybe the the mail comes in the morning, and uh, you open that thing up, you read it. I feel good. I feel good reading that letter. You put it in your pocket, and you go on through the day about noontime. Where's that letter? You get that letter out. You just read it two hours ago, and got to read it again. <laughs> Still says the same thing. But you still feel good when you read it. 
And I remember sometimes, I was this one letter I got from Sandy, I probably read it 16, 20 times, I don't know. Just over and over again. Said the same thing every time I read it. But I was really starting to love her. God loves you. He's trying to tell you about that in this book we call the Bible. And the psalmist again says, My hands I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. If you love the Lord, you love His Word. If you love the Lord, you hate evil. Psalm 97 and verse 10. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. Psalm 5 and verse 5. You hate all the workers of iniquity. To love that which is perverse is to hate God. So if I love the things He loves, I hate the things that He hates. But if I love the things that He hates, that's perversion. Proverbs 14 and verse 2, He who walks in His uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in His ways despises Him. So if I do that which is not according to the will of God day by day in my life, what I am saying to God is, I despise you, not that I love you. Sin, you might remember from our study of Old and New Testaments, Sin is enmity against God. Enmity is hostility. We are making war on God. We are not His lovers. We are His enemies in our sins. Sin is enmity against God. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. And so to love God is to love the things that He loves. Righteousness and goodness. Holiness. Commitment. Faith. Do you love the Lord? Well, I can tell you this. You don't really love the Lord, fully love the Lord, or or even understand why you should love the Lord until you accept His grace. in faith and obedience. God's grace is extended to all. It's extended to everybody in this room. But only received by those who love Him. Paul says something interesting at the end of the Ephesian letter when he says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. That is a fascinating conclusion to that letter. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus. I thought grace was for everybody. It is, but it's not with those who don't love the Lord back. Who don't take advantage of it. Grace be with those who love the Lord in sincerity. Salvation comes by grace through faith. We love Him, you see, because He first loved us. Here is the reason that we love Him as deeply as we do. 
Here is the reason we can love Him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. By grace we have been saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. But He loved us first. God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. If we go over to the book of 1 John, notice two or three passages here quickly with me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. Two things about these passages. He loved us first. That's our motivation for loving Him. Secondly, He loved us. That's our motivation for loving one another. And if we don't love one another, we don't love Him. How can a man love God whom he has not seen when he does not love man whom he has not seen? John will ask at the end of this context. All of that to say, we love God because He loved us. And the way He loved us was to send His Son to die for us. And that is grace. And until and unless we understand and accept that and allow that to change our very lives, we don't know how to love God yet. And until we accept that loving sacrifice of grace, Jesus dying on the cross, not only do we not really know how to love God yet because we haven't accepted that, We don't know how to love each other either. Oh, that question, that sure was a tricky question, wasn't it? Do you love the Lord? Far more difficult than we might imagine to answer. Those who love God, love one another. Salvation, as we've said, is by grace through faith. And that means, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, by grace you've been saved through faith that not as of yourselves, it is a gift of God. God raised us up through grace. Paul uses that same kind of language in Romans chapter 6 when he tells us that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death, we were buried with Him in baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In Ephesians 2, Paul is at pains to tell us we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead. By His grace, God raised us up. And in Romans 6, 3 and 4, Paul tells us the action that we took to get into the grace. We were baptized into His death. And then we were raised to walk in newness of life. Even, even an old dog knows when he's loved. Your pet knows whether or not you love it. You might, you might fool yourself. You might be deceived about whether or not you love God. Others might not be able to tell by looking at you whether or not you do or not. But God knows. God knows. And you need to know too whether or not you love Him. Just like Peter did. 
There's a great difference between merely saying we love the Lord and actually loving the Lord. A great difference. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Here is the point of self-examination that each of us must come to this morning. Are we the little girl who loves ourselves, who loves the money, who loves the taste of lamb? (laughs) Or Or are we the lamb who loves the shepherd? What are you this morning? And if you love the Lord and you truly love the Lord and you know about what He's done for you, and allowing Jesus to die for you, sending Jesus to die for you so that you might have redemption and salvation. I beg you this morning to love Him back, to show that you love Him. Turn your life to Him. Give Him all of yourself, your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you might have eternal life. We'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.